you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky back with you. Buck, how you doing, man? Man, I'm good. Uh, Thursday night game. Got a couple of Thursday night games that I'm excited about. One, we have the Miami Dolphins and the Baltimore Ravens that we will be on the call. Amazon and Twitch, you can check us out. But the Tar Heels get a chance to take down the Pitt Panthers. You know, that's that's a big one now. That'd be the you guys second. Are coming off a big win now. I mean, yeah. After we tricked off a bunch of games early, but anyway, it's how, it's not how you start. It's how you finish, and so we get a chance to finish it the right way. But really, DJ, we'll have this one on record because the two quarterbacks playing in the game are getting a little buzz. Sam Howell, Kenny Pickett. Let's kind of begin to see and assess what that 2022 quarterback class could look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to get to that a little bit later too. I, I watched Pickett on the plane. Uh, this last week. Actually, we can just kind of get one. So just jump to it right now. I, mm-hmm. I did him, Buck. There's some buzz building on him. I liked him. He's a good player. He reminded me, um, I said kind of like a more athletic Matt Hasselbeck. Um, mm, but he's okay. just got, he's, he can, he plays with confidence. Um, he's got, you know, the thing is he's got smaller hands is what everybody tells you that goes in there. He, he wears the two gloves uh, like Bridgewater did coming out, but he's got good arm strength. I don't, I mean, there's nothing wrong there. Um, he can play make a little bit. He can, mm-hmm. he can create, make some things happen. Uh, for the most part, really good decision maker. You know, some people have said kind of Joe Burrow light is the comp from some of the scouts that have gone through there. I just thought, you know, with, with Matt Hasselbeck, just, you know, real efficient, quick processor, balls out yeah. where it needs to be. He's a good player. Like, he doesn't have an outstanding trait. Like, there's no superpower, as you like to say. Uh, but just a good, really good, solid overall player. It's funny because – there's nothing wrong with that. I, there's nothing wrong with being a really good player. I think the trick to quarterback evaluations is being able to know exactly who the guy is. And as you and I begin to present the player is, hey, here's what the player is and here's what he needs. I think we've done this before where we talked about this. It's almost like Christmas time and you get the toy. Let's make mm-hmm. sure we give the instructions so you know how to how to operate it, how to operate the toy. And I feel like with Kenny Pickett, uh, certainly you want to make sure that you have a cast of playmakers around him and all that other stuff. You want to make sure that the system allows him to play to his strengths, which is get the ball out, do some of those things. He can play, make and make some things happen. So all those things are good. I'm going to say this because I've obviously watched Sam Howell more uh, being a Tar Heel. I think Sam Howell, like the slow start has kind of maybe turned people off of Howell, but I think they need to go back and watch the tape of late. Because mm-hmm. he is really having a very strong year, a solid year. And what he has done is very reminiscent to what Baker Mayfield did his last year at Oklahoma. He's running a little more than you would think. Like, DJ, this dude is running the ball and having success as a runner. I'm not saying that he comes to the league and does that kind of stuff. But I think he has shown more athleticism and mobility than maybe we thought based on how he played the first couple of years. And I think that may add a little to the game. That said, I think the Baker Mayfield comp, I think you gave him that comp early. Yeah, I think that's a very solid comp. And I think whoever takes him, if you take him and you put him in the same system like Baker's in, 
I think Sam Howell can have that kind of success because he's very accurate. He does have uh, a pretty good arm and the mobility would allow him to play in a system like that, that he could have the same level of success that I would say that we've seen the Jimmy Garoppolo's, uh, the Baker Mayfields, the Kirk Cousins, and those guys having that system where if it's set up for them, they can deal and they can operate. I don't know if he'll ever be a superstar, but I think he can be a high-functioning starter in the right system. No doubt. Um, I, I want to uh, – I want to, I'm want. i really looking forward to watching that game, especially when it comes out on tape to study those two quarterbacks because I think you brought up a good point. I haven't seen Sam since some of the early games this year. I want to say with Virginia Tech, he did not play well mm, in that didn't game. didn't play well. So I'm anxious to kind of come back and watch some of that. I'm going to show you – I'm going to pull up on my computer here real quick, Buck, because this is the fun stuff when you're uh, when you're doing one of these things, one of these podcasts, and then this, this picture – hold on so I can show it to you. It gets posted right there. <laughs> what was that? That's that Cam, Cam? And, and Tepper. <laughs> Cam Newton is back with the Carolina Panthers, man. I, I know we, we've got some stuff we want to get to. I've got the top 25 rookies. We want to talk about this Thursday night game with with uh, Baltimore and the Dolphins. But um, we got to hit this. It just went down. Cam Newton is back with the Carolina Panthers. Your thoughts? Um, man, I think they had to go a long way to patch that relationship up, right? Because there were some, some hard feelings when Cam left the Carolina Panthers. Cam more so than Matt Rule, just saying, hey, man, I maybe didn't feel like he got a fair shake um, at the end of that deal. But, you know, man, distance and time, all that stuff can make everything work out. I think what you makes the heart fond. Yeah, yeah. yeah. distance makes absence makes the heart go fond or whatever it is. Um, I think however you want to say it. Um, I think here's the thing. He is the icon for the franchise. I would say he's probably the most famous player. Um, he accomplished the MVP. He took the team to the Super Bowl. Um, I think the time apart probably has led to a great appreciation from both parties in terms of who he is in the organization. Cam probably realized that the Panthers were probably the best place for him to kind of do his deal because they appreciated him and they kind of understand who he is and they kind of got him in that area. And then I think the Panthers now may realize like, you know, maybe he wasn't so bad. Maybe there's some stuff that we could do. Maybe there's some stuff we could do to help him. That stuff. And I think it's just kind of like the perfect storm. Sam Sam Donald getting hurt, probably being out for a long time, gives them an opportunity to kind of walk him back into the building and see what can they do for the latter part of the season to kind of see how this works out and what it looks like. Because I like P.J. Walker, but I don't think they see P.J. Walker as a future starter for the team. So at least if you can bring somebody back, bring someone who knows – the landscape, the fans know him, and he can play a little bit, even though he didn't play great last year for the Patriots. Okay, I'm a, uh, this is uh, this is right in your wheelhouse because this is kind of right during your era. Um, we're in the same era, but I know you remember this. Uh, how bad do you want to see Cam walk into the facility and go straight Dion? This is <laughs> this is my house. <laughs> I built I built this place. You remember Prime? You remember Prime? Building? I know. I know. Yes. Yes. When he came back to the Georgia Dome, uh, had the infamous fight with uh, Andre Risen, had a pick six when he was playing with the 49ers and all that. His, his, his return. I do think it'd be great because, you know, the facility. By the, by the way, by the way, let's get let's give Nabil homework. Nabil in post. So we're recording this now. You have to insert that right now. So go find that clip. It's your homework, and you do insert it right now. 
This is my house, and this will always be my house. Now let's continue. Such a great clip. That? How great is that? So, so, but look, he can't even really say it's his house because they have a new facility now yeah. in Rock Hill because they moved their operations from Charlotte to Rock Hill. So he has to go to a new address to now say it's my house. But when he walks back into the stadium, I think yeah. it's still called Bank of America Stadium. He still can he can do it when he walks out. Um, it's the pause, by the way, with Dion. It's the pause between this is oh, my yeah. house. It's, yes. that, it's that pregnant pause right there that makes that whole sound bite. Oh work. man, so so great. But <laughs> no, I th- look, I, I think this is this is great. It's great. I think the team is is better constructed this year than it was when we last saw Cam uh, in the mix, and so he'll have an opportunity to kind of do some of those things that um, he's still getting it. They still can run it with Christian McCaffrey. They got playmakers on the outside. I would say that offensively, it's a better group that he's playing with than he played with in New England. And so mm-hmm. now it's a matter of him learning the offense and Joe Brady doing some stuff to kind of help him get going. But it should be fun to see it. I mean, we all like to reminisce. I just think it's funny. All those people that got rid of the cam jerseys, now they're kind of rummaging through the garage and the trash <laughs> trying to find see, that thing. See can- <laughs> uh, my son has one. My son has one, a Super Bowl jersey. <laughs> Super Bowl, pitch that thing out of the closet. It's back. So um, that's, that's you never know. It. But DJ, that's why we always talk about in this business the way that you leave. Don't you burn bridges. No, yeah, don't burn bridges. Yeah. yeah, and come back. Um, all right, I, I want to on the subject of the Panthers before we move on to some other stuff. Um, there's like rumblings you hear. You know, LSU job is open, and they have a rather large budget to do whatever Mm -hmm. they want to do and go after whoever they want to go after. I mean, obviously you've seen Mm -hmm. stuff about Jimbo Fisher. We all know what he's making uh, at A&M and what it would cost to go get him. But one of the names you hear kind of on the periphery, and I think people just kind of, you know, know, ah, whatever, that's just a a pipe dream, is you hear Mm -hmm. Matt Rule's name a little bit with LSU. And I know, you know, and I don't want Matt to get offended like uh, Mike Tomlin got offended that we could talk about a pro coach with a college job. But I want to ask just a simple question, okay? I'm not trying to get you in trouble with your former employer, employer here, but, but better job, Carolina Panthers head coaching job or the LSU Tigers head coaching job? Mm. That LSU job is really intriguing. And that's a head knocker because mm-hmm. of the division that you're in, you have to deal with Nick Saban, you got to deal with Jimbo. Uh, I mean, you got to deal with some heavyweights in that thing, but – DJ, a pro job is only as good as your quarterback. Yeah. And if you don't have a quarterback or if you don't have a pass to get a high-end quarterback, it's a hard job in the pros. You can't win without a quarterback. I mean, that's what we're seeing. And so if I'm at rule, I'm going to have to look at my roster and see, A, do I have a quarterback on the roster? B, is there a quarterback in the offseason that I can get a veteran quarterback that's going to shake loose? that I can get that'll immediately make us a playoff contender. I mean, they guaranteed Sam's fifth year option. So right. So they're so, paying so, him next year. Yeah. What, so 19 he, million or whatever. Yeah. It is. So, so he's there. And in three, is there a quarterback in the draft that can Im- immediately reverse your fortunes as a franchise and give you hope that you can get it done. And right now it's no, no, no. Like, I just no. don't, I just don't know if they, if they, if they have those things. So then when I think about LSU and going to college, man, that's like those, it's like putting on the, the slippers, the, the, the bedroom loafers. Like he goes right back. He used the same thing that he's used at Temple, Baylor, and whatever, but he's doing it with a better product. I mean, Temple and Baylor were in the dumps when he showed up. He goes to LSU, 
they're a couple years removed from winning a national championship. We understand the recruiting footprint that is there. You ain't got to go far for players. Everyone in Louisiana wants to play at LSU. And so if you're Matt Rule, you just kind of look around and say, hey, we kind of get the program going, we kind of make them tough, kind of fix this, fix that. You're right back in the mix because, DJ, think about this. As bad as it's been for Ed Ogeron, right? They're still very competitive. Yeah. I watched him play Took Alabama, Alabama to the, down to the wire. Right. I watched him play Alabama, and I'm looking they at the guys. players, and I'm like, mm, they got some players. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just saying if you're Matt Rule and you fancy yourself maybe as more of a college coach than an NFL coach, man, you jump at the opportunity to go to LSU with the brand behind you, the recruiting footprint that's right there, and all the bells and whistles that come with coaching an elite team in the SEC. Uh, it's a much better job than the previous college jobs that he's held, and we saw the success that he had there. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that he will do it. I'm, I, I mean, we just we got to take the phone there. call though. But that's what I'm saying. It's some of them are eye roll hang up, right? Hey, uh, you know, Matt Rule, it's hey, Iowa State. UConn. Hey, yeah, it's UConn. Hey, UConn. UConn yeah, calling with you being eye roll hang up the phone. <laughs> LSU, it's like let's <laughs> talk. <laughs> Tomorrow, three o'clock. Good. Does that work for you? Okay. Right. Block a little time off there. We'll discuss this a little bit. Hey, there's a Bojangles around the corner. We can just kind of slide in there and just kind of talk. Get a biscuit. Nothing wrong with that. A little ham biscuit, and we'll, we'll see if we can work this thing out. A little biscuit and some iced tea. We just kind of talk about it. Just see what it looks like. It's a. I mean, I know the SEC. You said it. It's it, you got you've got Georgia and Bama. You got to deal with, but LSU is a that's a brand, man. And you could throw a rock and hit enough players to hit the guys you need to come in there and win a national championship. And when you walk into a living room, LSU means something, especially down there in Louisiana and Texas. So, um, yeah, you got a chance to go be a perennial national championship contender. And, by the way, I know he's making a ton of money in, uh, in Carolina and has long-term security. That's a blank check down there in Baton Rouge, man. That they'll, they'll write you whatever you need. A blank check, man. And you make that buyout so significant. Mm-hmm. That no matter what they say and when the, the, the tide turns, they're going to have to stroke a huge check with a lot of commas and zeros. And yeah. so I am I think you have to I think you have to I think you have to do that. And DJ, the other thing that happens is when uh, the word about LSU gets out there, you know, who else places a phone call? USC. Yeah. And USC is like, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, hey, <laughs> we, yeah. we want to get it. I don't think it's a better fit for him. I think the LSU job is a better fit because I think you can. I mean, I think you win national titles at both, but I think it's different yeah. in terms of how you build it. I think the I, LSU is probably more like the way that he likes to build as opposed to the SC thing. It's hard for me. And as we've talked about this before, but SC has always been a, you know, a premier job and the history that they've had there and, and the, mm-hmm. you know, the potential and the upside. The longer I pay attention to this college football season, the more I'm beginning to think football is not so relevant out here on the west coast it's no hard it's not to think that yeah it's, it's different and and i would say because we both spend time i grew up in the in the south you played in the south at a few different schools so you kind of understand the lay of the land uh out west it's funny right out west is it's cute hey it's football yeah. season that's great or whatever dj in the south particularly in sec country there are two seasons mm-hmm. there's football season and then there's recruiting spring and, and then spring football season. <laughs> and then there, you know, I mean, I mean, if, if, if you just think about particularly down there, the fact that Alabama and those schools get 90,000 folks, Tennessee a, was getting a hundred in there when they were terrible for a, for a spring game. Like 
it is unbelievable. And just the recruiting access, because when you, we talk to these coaches, right? We talk to the coaches in the pack, not only when we were scouts, but now in this part of the business, defensive linemen are just in your backyard in the yep. SEC. Yep. And that is the biggest difference between the SEC and the rest of the conferences is in that part of the country, those, as we talk about, there are not many that walk the face of the earth that are like that. They all happen to be in those areas. Mm-hmm. And you get them big athletic physical. And it's not a coincidence. Just look at the offensive and defensive lines in that conference. When you look at Georgia, you look at Bama, you look at the way Texas A&M is constructed, even a down LSU team and all of those other, they look different than when we look out here on the West Coast. It's different. And so the priorities. So West Coast is just different. This is what I was just looking at. Um, So somebody else brought this up the other day. They said, hey, do you think that uh, – oh, gosh. Who who were you talking about again? Um, Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. He was like, Mm -hmm. do you think if LSU calls Lincoln Riley and throws all kinds of money at him, do you think he would do it? And the immediate other person said, you know, there's no way he's at Oklahoma. He's been in the playoff, this, that, and the other. I'm like, well, that's getting ready. You go in the SEC now. That's not going to be – it's not going to be a cakewalk to get in there. I said, here's the difference. And I just looked this up because I wanted to be sure. Um, Oklahoma, as great as they've been, you think about the number one overall pick quarterbacks they've had. Mm -hmm. They've had the wideouts. They've had some linebackers. When you get into the games against the big boys – your defensive line is what matters. They've had offensive linemen, right? We've mm-hmm. seen some good offensive mm-hmm. linemen, second-round picks, you know, good players. They can't um, get Cody. defense right. So, you know when the last time they had a defensive lineman that was drafted in the first two rounds was 2015 Jordan Phillips in the second round. So, since Lincoln Riley's been there, they haven't had a defensive lineman go in the first round. I don't think I don't, he didn't get there in 2015. It was after that, right? So he hasn't even had a defensive yeah. lineman get picked in the second round. Wow. Guess what? You go to LSU, you get first and second round defensive linemen. That's the biggest difference. DJ, that's the biggest difference in all those teams. When you look at those teams, as much as we talk about the offensive stuff, it's the, it's the D lineman. It's the D line play. We talked about Clemson winning national titles, but not having offensive linemen that get drafted at the first round. No. But you look at their defensive line lineage. They've been able to produce defensive linemen. They get drafted as top picks. Look, that's the bedrock. If you want to win a national title, that's where it starts. It starts in the trenches and it starts on the defensive side of the ball. You have to have some war daddies to be able to get it done. One of the reasons that we are talking about Georgia is not because of their offense. It's because when you look at their defense, one, they're rolling them in like a hockey, a hockey line change, and they are big. They are fast and they are real physical. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there's an article in The Athletic where they were talking about like the demise of Florida. And Kirby Smart was just kind of talking about like how you have to build a program and how you have to love the recruiting part of it. Mm-hmm. And they are bringing players in left and right. And they're stacking five stars on top of five stars. And they're telling them, hey, man, two dogs, one bone. <laughs> Got to figure it out. You know, you got you to gotta figure it out. And that's and that's what it is. And the, the, the beautiful thing about, like, watching the way that it plays out, uh, and we always talk about this, DJ, it's no different than National Football League. We can talk about all the shiny stuff and the bells and whistles on the perimeter, but you better be able to get it done up front, D-line and O-line. 
And that's why it's so great that you did that little thing on the Browns the other day. Yeah. Because it's funny, right? When we talk about the Browns in this, not necessarily the smoothest transition, but I will say this. Basically, what the Cleveland Browns did, they swapped out a shiny toy on the outside and Odell Beckham Jr. for foundational pieces on the inside. <laughs> yep. And what they did to me is Andrew Berry and Kevin Stefanski let the football world know what their brand is and what they're about. I now know exactly what the Cleveland Browns are about. The Cleveland Browns are about rock'em, sock'em football, smash mouth football, and they're building with the bigs up front. And it doesn't matter about the auxiliary pieces. When you commit to guards on back-to-back days on three and four-year extensions, you're telling your team it all starts right here up front. And Mm -hmm. to me, that is impressive because it is suggesting to the world, hey, this is how we're going to build a team. I think it also sends a message to your quarterback. Hey, man, if you do this thing the right way, we're always going to keep you protected. We're going to have all the stuff around you because everyone is signed. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, the offensive line. You just got to play your part. And playing your part may mean taking a little less so you can do a little more Mm -hmm. because it's in place for the Browns to be okay. No doubt. A hundred percent. I thought it was fascinating, the timing of that. One goes out and they take care of two of their own. Um, Interesting statement that was made by the Browns. And I don't think it's a coincidence. I I, got to go back and fact check myself here. So I mentioned that thing about Oklahoma, right? Mm -hmm. Going back to 2015. Since 2015, this shocked me when I looked this up. LSU's only had two defensive linemen since 2015 in the first or second round. One of them is with the Jags and Caleb on chase on who's done nothing. Uh, and the other one obviously is a home run in 2015. Daniel Hunter. He, no, sorry. Daniel Hunter was a third round pick. Um, wow. Yeah, that's so they've only had one. Good wow. night. How is that possible? Well, mm. Alabama and Georgia taking them all. Maybe. But you know you gotta love you gotta love the recruiting product. That's interesting yeah. though, DJ. That shocked me. I but you know that what that up. also does? That speaks to why they've been so inconsistent yeah. in terms of being able to compete and buy for the title. Yeah. The consistency that you've seen in the SEC has been Alabama and Georgia, mm-hmm. and Alabama and Georgia have. I mean, look, it's like building a house. They build the house on a solid foundation. The D line is always going to produce. That I mean, just think about Alabama. Alabama, Quentin Williams couldn't get on the field. Oh my gosh. There's the no next year, <laughs> the next year he goes and he plays a ton. And it's every year there's a story like that. I mean, who's this where's this guy come from? Mm-hmm. Oh, he was there. He was just rotating in, kinda. This is his year to start. He starts and becomes a top pick. Um, it's the machine on both sides. Interesting. Ohio State is the one who's cleaning up on all these offense on all these defensive linemen. Michigan has had a bunch of defensive linemen too. Those two Big Ten schools have done a really nice job with. It's interesting, linemen. right? So here's here's the thing about Michigan, right? Because I kind of feel bad for Harbaugh and the narrative that is out there about Michigan, right? Because they can't knock off Ohio State, mm-hmm. but historically, Ohio State has always been the Big Ten power, not Michigan. Yeah, like if you go back and look through the annals. It has always been Ohio State kind of dominating the conference, not Michigan. They are building it the right way. They just have the problem that they have Ohio State in their side of the thing. I know. Like, that's it. If they were in a different side and they played in the championship game, then we wouldn't have it. But because the road to the Big Ten championship game goes through Ohio State, they can't get there. No. 
that's really interesting, man. When you look at that, yeah, Ohio, Ohio State hats off to them. They've recruited their butts off on the defensive line. Um, all right, I want to get some of these other topics here. So let's uh, let's take a quick break, uh, and we'll be back right after this. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. All right, Buck, uh, we've hit on Cam Newton. We've hit on the Carolina thing and uh, and the LSU job opening. We've touched on the Browns a little bit. Um, I thought that was fascinating as well. Let's uh, let's jump through these top 25 rookies real quick, then I want to get to this Thursday night game. All right, you ready? Um, okay, so I did my halfway point uh, ranking of these top 25 rookies, which, believe it or not, some people didn't agree with on uh, on social no? media. Yeah. No, people, couple, people, didn't like, couple people. people didn't like your list? Couple people. Um, so I went Micah Parsons one. I just, I mean, he to me, he's like borderline defensive player of the year conversation. He's not going to win that award, obviously, but he's inserted himself into that. He's an elite player uh, mm-hmm. with all that he's done, a dominant player. Uh, the 2-3 debate is a good one to have. Um, you've got Jamar Chase and Rashawn Slater, who have both been elite at their positions. Um, I think they're both Pro Bowl players. To me, it's a flip, flip a coin. I ended up going with Chase because he's had some of those big games here recently, but him and Slater, that's that's a fair discussion. Kyle Pitts launched all the way up to fourth. Uh, Mac Jones has been the most consistent rookie quarterback. He's five. Javante Williams, your Tar Heel, six. The running back's been really, really coming on. Mm-hmm. Creed Humphrey's been an outstanding center. He's seven. Uh, Najee Harris, a uh, mm-hmm. guy you love, Buck. We've seen him catch the ball a bunch. Uh, Odafe Owe, we're going to see him tonight in the Thursday game for the uh, for the Ravens. Um, his, his leads them in pressures. He's been excellent. Devontae Smith, I moved, uh, or he's sitting here at the number 10 spot. Saw him last week. He had five for 116 against the Chargers. He's He's been impressive. So that's the top 10. No, man, it, it, it's been a really solid group. DJ, I, th- I think what's really impressive is we've had a bunch of different guys come in different walks, meaning not just first-round guys that have come and made contributions. You talk about Javante Williams. Uh, we can talk about Creed Humphrey. Guys that have been able to get right on the field and have uh, immediate success. And to me, it just is about the quick developmental process, the quick understanding that they have of the National Football League, a great job of the coaches putting those guys in positions to succeed. And then it's just, man, college football is really providing NFL guys with some plug-and-play players, maybe more so than any other time in the history of the draft that we're getting plug-and-plays at all levels of the draft. And so I think people are benefiting from that. All right, I'm going to go 11 through 20 and then let you pick out a name you think is interesting here. Uh, 11, Trevor Lawrence. 12, Patrick Sertan the second, 13, Elijah Mitchell, uh, running back for the Niners. 14, Nick Bolton with the Chiefs. 15, Jalen Waddell with the Dolphins. 16, Christian Barmore. He's been outstanding mm-hmm. with New England. 
Uh, 17, Trey Smith, the big guard with the Chiefs. So they've got two rookies, on, two rookie offensive linemen. Uh, JOK, Jeremiah Wosu, Koromoa is 18. Uh, he's missed a couple games. He's missed three games or he'd be much higher on this list. 19, Elijah Vera Tucker for the Jets, who's come on. And 20, Justin Fields. So you've bookended by quarterbacks there. Uh, Fields comes into the list for the first time at 20. Um, and then you also look at Trevor Lawrence. He's there at number 11. Yeah, I think the big thing is, and, and staying with the quarterbacks, um, your young quarterbacks are really beholden to the guys that they have around them. Uh, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, respectively, don't necessarily have, I would say, the right environment around them to allow them to flourish. But what they've done is they've shown us enough flashes to feel good about what they could be. And if their teams do it right over the next year or two, those guys should really have major pops year two, year three. Um, I think the Elijah Mitchell uh, discovery and revelation is one that uh, will kind of feed the debate when it comes to running backs. Uh, do you need to uh, spend big draft capital to get one or can you find one uh, anywhere in the draft or after the draft to kind of put on the field and have success? The Niners have done it successfully time after time, as a lot of people that employ this system have done. But I think Elijah Mitchell will be kind of like that test case. He'll be another example of, hey, you can find him anywhere. You just got to know what you're looking for. You have to have the right system in place. Yeah, no. He's really, you know, speed and power. He's brought that to the table. We saw that in college, and it's come up in a big way. Um, the last five here, Nate Hobbs uh, with the Raiders, our buddy Rhett's favorite player in the league. Uh, Interesting. He's, yeah. he's been outstanding as a nickel. Michael Carter, the running back for the Jets, um, who's done it running and receiving. Uh, kind of. By the way, at the 32, he's not as strong as MJD, but just wearing the number 32 out there looks like yeah. a little like MJD. Uh, Kadarius Toney, uh, real explosive player, has come on for the Giants. Another giant follows him up, Aziz Ojolari. He's got a bunch of sacks. Amazing. And then Pat Fryermuth, the tight end from the Steelers, rounds it out of 25. Hey, Fryermuth has been everything they needed. They haven't mm-hmm. had the kind of tight end since Heath, Heath Miller. Miller. Yeah, going and I, back. And I, and I would actually say that he's a, a more polished and refined route runner than Heath Miller. Heath Miller was a really good pass catcher, but I felt like Heath Miller was kind of like that old school traditional tight like end. like a sixth offensive lineman yeah, in the run I feel game. Like, yeah, I feel like Fryermuth is more of a, a, a wide receiver, but he really is a tight end because he can block and do those things. But he has come on, and I don't think it's a coincidence that the Steelers have played better as their rookies have started to make more contributions. Uh, the two guys on the offensive line, Fryermuth at tight end, and then Najee Harris, they've kind of become the bedrock of that offense. And as they continue to get better, whoever is the next quarterback, for the Pittsburgh Steelers is going to benefit from having some solid weapons around them. Yeah, they got a pretty good foundation built for the next guy to come in there. So, and maybe they just stay uh, stay local. They're ending up getting Pickett uh, right across the maybe. street. Bring him in. Maybe it's, it's time for them to get a quarterback. We'll see if they can get one. Well, yeah, that'll be easy. Um, all right, let's take another quick break, and we're going to come back and talk about this Thursday night game. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. All right, Buck. We've got uh, we've got Ravens. We've got Dolphins. Just from the Ravens standpoint, what are you looking at in this game? Uh, I'm, I'm really looking to see like how Lamar Jackson kind of sustains the success that he's had. It's really funny, DJ. Like He's rated in the top 10 as a rusher and as a passer. And, you know, the thing is, your eyes tell you that he's playing better, even though the numbers don't necessarily reflect that. Like his completion rate is only at like 65. Um, his passer rating is sub 100, which isn't bad, but it's sub 100 when we've seen a ton of guys over that mark. He has, what, 13 touchdowns and seven or eight, six, five, six, seven, eight interceptions. And so it hasn't been terrific. But, man, he leads the league in fourth-quarter comebacks and game-winning drives. And the thing that was viewed as his Achilles heel, he's kind of resolved that this year by showing people that he can come back. And I would say that what's scary about the Baltimore Ravens is they have absorbed a ton of injuries to the point. We don't even talk about all the injuries that they suffered, but yet and still they're still sitting here at 6-2 and and in the mix. That's scary knowing that they haven't played, I would say, great football but they found a way to win enough games to kind of be in the position to maybe backdoor into a number one seed when it's all said and done. You know, I was thinking about, it's fascinating about Baltimore. This is, you know, that old line people use winners, win losers, lose like, yeah, they, they just kind of find their way to winning football games. I don't know that necessarily they should win. I, last week was a great example of that against no Minnesota. No they had them dead to rights, no but they just, it's in their DNA. They just kind of have a feel for finishing games and making things happen. But I was thinking about like, look inside this division. Um, we were just talking about the Cleveland Browns offensive mm-hmm. line earlier. There's not one as it's when they're all healthy, there's not one Baltimore Raven offensive lineman that would start for Cleveland. Not one mm-hmm. Cleveland's better across the whole board. Yeah. The running back situation, obviously, especially due to injury, Cleveland's probably got three that are well. I know for sure better. two two yeah. that are much better. But probably three that are better than anybody that Baltimore mm-hmm. has. Mm-hmm. You know, tight ends. Okay, I'll give Andrews. You can give Andrews a little bit of yep. the edge there. But Cleveland's got three good tight ends. Baltimore's got their guys too. So let's say that's a slight advantage to Baltimore. And then receiver wise, Hollywood's really come on. I, I yeah. maybe even give them a slight edge. But then you flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. Outside of maybe Calais Campbell. Um, I mean, that's Calais Campbell's the only one where you're like, okay, absolutely, he start he starts for Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that there's another one where you're like, oh, for sure, he's better than what Cleveland has. Marley, Marlon Humphrey, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Denzel Ward. When Denzel Ward's going well, yeah, Marlon Humphrey's giving up some plays now. Yeah, um, and so DJ, I, I'm so, just saying, you could say, okay, a, maybe Marlon Humphrey, but it's not a it's not a no doubt. So so think about that. What but they just saying. win. So that's what we're saying. Uh, and some of this happens is it's the mystique, right? Like sometimes when the Ravens run out the tunnel, in your mind, you can't help it, but you think about the Ed Reed, the Ray Lewis's of the world, all the great players that have put on that uniform and the way that they play. What I admire about the Baltimore Ravens, and you work there, to me, they hang their head on toughness, 
in grit and resiliency in that, hey, man, we might not have the most skill, but we certainly can hit you in the mouth and make it a, a street fight. And we don't know if you can last four quarters of us just throwing haymakers at you. Yeah. And they win games like that. And I give John Harbaugh a ton of credit. Um, I had to do a thing where I said, look, he's my coach of the year because all the injuries that they've had, they could have easily fallen apart. And he somehow kept them together. And I think some of the stuff that he does makes him the ultimate players coach in just terms of his belief in his guys. Yeah. And two guys, really. His belief in number eight, I believe that uh, we talked about, we'll talk about the Dolphins tonight. I believe that Brian Flores could take a page from what John Harbaugh does in terms of pumping life into his quarterback. Mm-hmm. There has never been any doubt when anytime a question is asked about Lamar Jackson, whether he's playing well, whether he's playing poorly, he always celebrates that guy as if he's a superhero. And then the way that he believes in Justin Tucker, the way that he is like, hey, you made it? Yep, go get it. Yeah. And they do it. I believe there is something that you can learn from that. The belief that you pump into your players, man, it can just spread throughout a team. And a team that should not be 6-2 and two is sitting at 6-2. and two, And a lot of it is just because of toughness and the self-belief that they have amongst them individually and collectively. Lamar Jackson has 2,200 passing yards and 600 rushing yards right now. This offense, in terms of total offense, is second in the league. And we've just told you the offensive line is not very good. Um, the running backs are not very good. You've got a good receiving group has been better than advertised. They're all starting to come on and play well. The tight end group's solid. But there's nobody else to point to for credit. Like, Lamar Jackson's make the whole thing go. It's been incredible what he's done. I mean, they're fourth in red zone. Um, they're third in the league in rushing. Obviously, he's the he's the he's the guy when it comes to that. So everything they're doing there is is because of him. Then you flip it over on the defensive side of the ball. This is 21st ranked scoring defense. They're 31st against the pass. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like this is this is a quarterback carrying a football team but it goes back to your point which and i kind of wrote these down when looking at this game like the ravens built a team that supports lamar jackson you know especially initially they built up his skills developed him so made him you know make him make individual improvements but more importantly they built his confidence they just they filled that dude with so much confidence mm-hmm. and he and it, it he's he's brimming with with confidence and now you're seeing it now, when maybe there's some deterioration in some of the supporting cast, he just he's making it all making it all work, and that's a franchise quarterback. When you can kind of make the stink go away, that's what he does. Oh man, he makes it go away, and that is the that's the definition of a franchise quarterback. Because you read off the numbers, they're not playing great, DJ. When you look at them on tape, you're like, man, how, how are they surviving? But they make a handful of plays, and it's the belief not only that Harbaugh has in his players. But now when you're talking about franchise quarterback, I sincerely believe that the Ravens feel like when number eight has the ball, he's going to figure out a way to get it done. And that is the only thing that you want when it comes to a franchise quarterback. If we give our guy the ball, that he will find a way to get us to the winner's circle. He does it. Okay, I want to give you uh, yes or no questions. We're going to flip it over to the Dolphins, okay? Yes or no, quick, quick answers. Yep. We just talked about that with Lamar and the Baltimore Ravens. Have the Miami Dolphins built the right team around Tua Tonga-Vailoa? Nope. Have the Miami Dolphins developed his skills and improved him as a football player? No. Have the Miami Dolphins filled him with confidence? No. Polar opposite. Complete. 
look at how opposite. to do it on one hand, how not to do it on the other. Yeah, and 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 it's bad. And then people wonder why he he isn't playing well. I mean, how can you like since he stepped in the door, DJ? There's always been conversations about is he good enough? Ryan Fitzpatrick being there, the yo-yoing of Fitzpatrick, and then he's in, and then he's out, and then he's in, and oh, we're gonna start you, but then we're gonna finish with Fitzpatrick. Like, how can you ever develop confidence in that? And I know that uh, there's there's a part of our fan base, and and, and even I would say, oh, well, he has to be tough enough to endure that. But man, like. Man, when you have your young quarterback, we talk about like just build, putting a bubble around, yeah. trying to protect him. It's your biggest investment. You want him to grow and flourish and all that stuff. Then you talk about the weapons around him. Hey, year one is seeing what he can do. Year two is making sure he has enough around him to thrive. Look, Jaden Waller was a nice addition, but I would say they could use even more. Will Fuller is great when he's there, but he's not always available. You know, th- those things. And then finally, just, man, just the offensive line stinks. That's Terrible. the problem. Terrible. Protection, play callers, playmakers. And yeah. so and I, I, I would give him, I would actually give him a B in terms of some of the playmakers. Like mm-hmm. you've got you've got Waddle and Gasicki. Those are good players. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Devontae Parker's healthy. He's a solid player. You know, they, they've got some decent guys. It's not bad. I'm I'll give them a B for their for their but their offensive line's a D or an F. Like terrible. Yeah. So like when you start out initially, if you like the Ravens had a good offensive line. Now their offensive line has deteriorated. They've got injuries. Ronnie Stanley hadn't been out there. Obviously, Orlando Brown's no longer there. You know, Villanueva has not been good. But they mm-hmm. had Lamar early years with a good offensive line, build up his confidence, build up his skills. Then he can cover yeah. up some of the offensive line issues. But to come in as a baby into the league – and to be playing behind a a, a, a sieve, basically, um, that's that's a challenge. And you know, so anyways, it, that's uh, that's kind of the take there on the Dolphins. They've got a, they're going to have a tough one in this one. If they win this game, that this is this would be Exhibit nine thousand four hundred six. Why anybody that gambles on NFL games is crazy. Yeah, they they happen to win this one, and they, look, they're playing better. But if they win this one, it'd be a major surprise. It, yeah. it, it just doesn't seem like a team that is heading in the right direction no i want to encourage everybody to hang out with us tonight though uh we call this game this is thursday as we're recording this so thursday night go to twitch.tv slash move the sticks joy taylor bucky brooks myself um we will uh, have the chat is open we interact with you guys on there it's a fun hang it's a good way to watch the game uh especially you know when the game gets out of hand i think it's when we're at our best because we can have fun (laughs) scouting stories uh, we can do crossover well, talk. Hopefully, hopefully, it wasn't, hopefully it won't get out of hand. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, anything else you want to add before we get out of here, Buck? No, nah, I mean, it was always a great show. It was good to chop it up and have some of those topics discussed. A lot, lot to kick around. A lot to kick around in the football world. LSU has not, had not done well with defensive linemen. Who knew? Um, you learn something every day. <laughs> um, all right, that's going to do it for us. Appreciate you guys hanging with us. We'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 
37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.